welcome to the Bronova Podcast, the podcast that models healthy communication for men, empowering them to start the journey of self-work. Now here's your host, Thomas Pierce. Welcome, friends, to this week's episode of the Bro Nouveau Podcast. My guest this week is Katya Slysher. She is an international intercultural communications coach working in three languages who helps teams and individuals who feel like they're not being heard at work better express themselves and be understood by their colleagues. Stick around for after the show while I'll be giving my reflections in the conversation and what we learned. Enjoy. Okay, Katya, so we were just chatting. You're a, a German living in the Netherlands, which to me sounds a bit more fun, <laughs> perhaps, why, why than living why in Germany. That? Why, why does it, uh, living in the Netherlands, <laughs> sounds more fun to you? Or? I think so. Maybe it's just, uh, I'm just thinking of Amsterdam specifically rather than elsewhere in the Netherlands. But, you know, Amsterdam has this very, like, cool, loose kind of vibe you know, recreational drugs and all that. And then Germany, which I love Germany, but, you know, has the has the kind of bit more structured lifestyle, we could say. Is that a fair assessment or is that just my American? Fair assessment, uh, although you have to admit that okay. Amsterdam is pretty much at the, at the top and pretty much at the peak. And admittedly, over the last couple of years, it's still a cool place. Uh, although it's, you know, when cool places are over the top cool, then they are for right. nobody uh, really any call anymore. I live in I live in the Hague, there, which is uh, forty kilometers south uh, of Amsterdam, and is the administrative capital of the country. And I'm working all over Europe anyway, so I'm I'm not very much um, sitting in Amsterdam. No, I, actually, if I can avoid it, I'm I'm not there. That makes sense. It's crowded. I bet you have a lot of the same. And, amenities and, yeah, and, and, and what you say people. about the more the, the more structured you call it structured lifestyle in, in, in Germany it's more if I'm if, if, if I may say so if, if, if mindset right mm. uh, it's a mindset that things have to be properly in order right? in, 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 in terms of between the ears of Germans uh, that does right, not right. always match reality like reality uh, there is a lot of chaotic things in Germany, and it is more in we aim we aim for that structure. And in a in a, in a country uh, or in a culture, let me put it like that, and it's pretty much a linear active. Um, you do one thing after the other, and um, you try to you try to do one thing after another it kind of makes sense that it's an older culture relative to say the u.s or any of the kind of newer democracies uh, in the world where the u.s everyone's quite excited yeah, and might. running around and multitasking you know but the older cultures have a longer memory and kind of a <laughs> a way of this is probably the best way to do things but yeah i, I, I don't know i thought that was interesting the best way but in, you know, culture is what we do when no one is looking, right? Culture is that this this mm. very uh, deeply rooted thing in ourselves that we say, like, yeah, that, yeah, that's the way things are properly done, <laughs> and <laughs> and that very often, that very often um, gives us a sense of being right, 
Although, um, and, and you see that in communication a lot, that your truth is one truth, and then there is many other truths out there, which makes it, mm -hmm. to be honest, uh, in our world, uh, the most wonderful thing. Yeah, certainly, because it's kind of a way to express what's going on internally. Like, I have a analogy I like that each of us have a, a universe within ourselves, Mm -hmm. You know, possibilities, challenges, fears, frustrations, anxieties, all that good stuff. And, you know, how we communicate and how we express is one. It's kind of like trying to express a three-dimensional concept with a two-dimensional term, basically. Yeah. Like, how do, I, how do I communicate all this craziness going on inside of me to someone else and convey what I'm experiencing at, at yeah. least to make to make another an, an, another universe as you call it uh, and understand mm -hmm. what is um, what is happening between my ears right because we for ourselves in our uh, individuals we find we very much find our own language we can easily talk to ourselves but the moment we we go outside and we have yeah, we have another universe that we need to get into and we need to to match with. It all of a sudden seems to it seems to be really problematic, right? And and we really struggle with it. Totally. So you said your work brings you around around Europe geographically. Do you have a a vertical or an industry that you work with the most as far as clients? Or I in the beginning, twenty years back, when I when I when I started, I thought it would be the media and the IT industry, uh, which is the industry I'm I'm coming from. Uh, this is the industry I started: uh, advertising, PR, marketing, media, and the classical IT companies. Um, the more the more I got into um, into communication training coaching public speaking I the more I realized even even more consciously that <laughs> the problems are the same everywhere right I, I thought it might be that especially the IT people couldn't express themselves Right, I, right. I, this is totally <laughs> untrue. It's totally untrue. Right. I, I, I thought, like, okay, it might be a specific uh, problem there. But that is just has been the case because I was working in that industry more than in others. The, the, the deeper I, I dived into other industries, uh, energy, for instance, is a very fascinating one because it's very structured, complicated, um, and masculine-driven, engineering-driven. And it seemed and, and full of beautiful technology, and it seems that people who are communicating that technology have real trouble to to get stuff across, right? And then let's take another industry. Let's take the um, healthcare, right? Let's take the whole healthcare um, industry where people are extremely uh, caring, right? Uh, where people are extremely. Uh, giving and less taking and it seems like that they have the same communication problems just more in in in, in the green part right mm. so so that is uh, basically what i'm experiencing in the green part 
Yeah, you know, uh, the IT, what does IT that mean? problems the IT problems are, are blue and the others are green, but it's the same kind of problem. Sure. They just have a different shade. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. So, gotcha, and, gotcha. And, and that's why I, I, do not, um, I do not work in any vertical anymore. Over time, uh, there is a lot of startups um, that work with me, or I, I work with a lot of startups. Uh, but that naturally happened because my, my way of approaching um, a topic is very uh, very energetic and lively and less conservative than uh, others and that might that might be the point that why younger companies entrepreneurs uh, like to work with me more yes definitely okay and then i always love to ask entrepreneurs too about taking the leap or stepping away from the normal path because at some point there had to be a moment in the process where you decided, okay, I'm going to leave. Sounds like it was a PR career, maybe a bit more structure, more security and, and kind of stake out on my own. So what were the factors that led to that decision? And yeah, I think that's a good first question. <laughs> in, in, in my particular case, uh, when I started my career in the nineties, uh, being a team player, it was a very big thing. Mm. Like, right, team, t- team player was, and it still is, but um, over the last 20 years, a lot of things changed here and team and working in a team and high performance is seen differently now. Now, at that time, um, I tried to fit in what I did not know at the time. I'm not a very good team player. I'm simply not a very really? good team player. No, no. I like I like to work in teams, but they have to be very, you know, d- dedicated, special teams. So I'm not one of these all in everybody around one table person, especially not when it comes down to business. But I didn't know that at the time. And I try to play along and I try to fit in, which is a hard thing to do. Usually it's the... The introvert people that say, oh, nobody lets me talking. Hmm, I don't know how to open my mouth. Now, I had a contrary problem. <laughs> All right? I was exactly on the other side. Like, I said, okay, guys, the way we do it here, mm, um, it probably will not work for the product or for that service. So you can imagine you're, you're, not, becoming, you're, not, uh, you're, no, you're not becoming everybody's darling with that, right? And it took me sure. a while and a couple of bruises uh, and... In 2006, when I set up my own shop, it was like a relief. Uh, although, of course, you, as an entrepreneur, you take the full responsibility for, your, for everything you do, for every decision you take. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, um, I could all of a sudden decide what I understood uh, under a team. And that, uh, that changed things for the better. And I think it's better for the world and it's better for me what we do now. Awesome. So, could you give us an example of the types of in, the types of engagements that you would take on? Um, what is the problem at hand? Is it between team members understanding each other, external communication with clients? Is it some all of the above? You know, what what is the kind of skill set you bring to the table, and what types of problems are you solving? This, the, the, the last question is probably the most relevant one. What kind of problems do I solve? Um, I understand. I, I solve all problems of being misunderstood. 
<clears throat> right? So when, when you work with me, all of a sudden, uh, afterwards, people are understood much better. They can get their message across more easily. And when I'm saying easy, I mean easy for both for both sides, because we right. It's not ju- it's not just the 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 audience that needs to understand the message. The sender should be fine with the way. Should be feel comfortable. Should be feel energized by 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 uh, their own their own speech. And so these the, the getting messages across easily and do it in a way that nobody is hurt and everybody is hurt, right? So that you, you as a sender, you're part of the part of the show, and as the receiver of the communication, you're part of the show too. So this is more important to me uh, than the format, um, teams, or two people or on stage and the audience is in room, um, I think, to me, this is, um, has the second priority. The first priority is how does the person or the group get their messages across? Yesterday, I was, uh, I was conducting a training for, um, for a guy who is uh, working at a tax advisory and was applying internally for a new job. And it was very hard for him to introduce himself in a way that was make it that was making it easier for his audience to understand him to understand where he where he came from so we more in in, in that particular way we very often uh, work on narrative we work on the agility of the communication but if it's two people or if it's a group of people actually that's second priority to me I do it in three languages, cool. though, and I love having audiences that come from more than one culture. That is the coolest thing on earth. That is very cool because those cultures have their own narratives about what's Absolutely. What their own narratives and their own cultures and, and, and their own narratives and, and their own ways of communicating, and, and that makes it double and triple fun. So what's, what's the third language, English, German? And Dutch. And Dutch. Very yes. cool. Yes. Very cool. Okay, so how do you approach – I think you kind of alluded to it, so the narrative and how we present. But, you know, when you're giving making an assessment of someone's communication, someone comes to you and says, hey, Katya, I, I – you know, my, my superior is really uh, not hearing me. My coworkers don't understand me. I think that I think I'm a hard worker. I have a lot to bring, but they perceive me as um, egotistical and kind of. I, I I can tell I annoy them. So, <laughs> what are the what are the ways that you kind of investigate and, and figure out what's going sideways in those interactions? Let me let me give you one example of one thing I do uh, that I love very much, and that is what we call shadowing. Right? I love to be part of that person's business life for a particular time. That could be two hours, that could be two weeks, uh, that could be um, shadowing on a conference, but it could be shadowing one business day that uh, consists of particular meetings. Um, interesting enough, you see, when doing shadowing, you see a lot of things. 
that you would not see or hear in a, in, in, in a conversation because they happen subconsciously. They happen along the way. And to me, observing, uh, observing a client there in his natural habitat, let me put it like that, uh, gives you a lot of hints and a lot of backgrounds how, how things really are. Now, that is something I love to do. Uh, and that I, that I bring to uh, to the first conversations we have. And besides that, you know, there is so many interesting and good um, psychological analysis. Uh, if it's Meyer Briggs or if it's Spiral Dynamics, there is a lot of analysis tools you could uh, lay underneath uh, the analysis. And this is this is where we usually start. And then we take it from there depending on what that analysis uh, shows. Awesome. And for your success metrics, are these kind of goal-driven? So the client, you know, so let's say your current day client wants to get promoted and so success is measured by his promotion or not, or do you kind of make an assessment and suggest as well, hey, like you came to me for this promotion problem, but here are other areas where I think we can improve too. Yeah, the way you put it, that that yeah, actually, that matches it. Mostly, clients come with one or two two concrete and specific things mm-hmm. that, in the end, um, show not to be the only goals they have. Indeed, uh, mostly, um, what I what I'm very keen on, what I very mo- mostly do is that I let the, the the persons themselves name these goals. It's not me setting the goals, but Kochi has to um, get into his own shoes. And that is why um, the person can determine how big the steps are they are taking. Then the success is better. But along the way, we we very often see more than one uh, goal happening. Yeah. Right, right. I feel so so often with these self-discovery processes more things just pop up yeah or, or it's, yeah, you know so something you from, from a deeper layer comes that you have never uh that you have never talked about and you think oh yeah all of a sudden that pops up why uh should we should we talk about that should we work on that yeah totally that's the good stuff that's what we're doing uh, on my program and and so many others it's it's a good encouragement for people to kind of look within so you mentioned earlier the you know the core of your skill set is in helping others be understood and so much at least over in the u.s much of the conversation has kind of shifted in the last couple years with kind of um i would say diversity and inclusion becoming a bit more than just a, a tagline, becoming a bit more concrete in, in the example of, you know, some um, minority groups saying, hey, it's like my, my being, my belonging is an honor to you or just my presence is kind of not respected because I'm different. And there have been a lot of really personal and public uh, expressions of that. You know, who's listening is a different question, but I, I was curious if I wonder if those topics in that sense of um, belonging for you know the other or the kind of marginalized groups has also come up in your work, and if you've 
kind of seen that um, become more prevalent with your clients. Absolutely. And the, uh, mm-hmm. the, the good part for me is that, <clears throat> you, you know, we talk minority groups. I always call them cultural clusters because the groups I work with very often that feel not heard is probably not, I don't know, a black community or it's more, it's more a, a, a specific cluster within a company. It's like, okay, nobody listens to marketing. <clears throat> Or, right? <laughs> yeah, right? Or in this company, only the engineers talk. Ah, so this is more, this is more in my in diversity and inclusion cluster. <clears throat> because interesting enough, you find it in, in, in every company. Uh, in, 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 you, you can, you can, if you, if you dive into the culture of, of, of one company, you see where, where is the money? Where is the power? And who is having influence? And if you if you work then with the groups who do not have the influence but w- w- want to want to seek it, now then it's getting interesting. And that has l- less to do with with what kind of uh, culture you belong to, but what cluster you have within a company. And I can tell you, this is a very interesting adventure to see how do you help someone from a marketing department who is usually silenced by engineers? Uh, how do you help that person to speak up? Right. So that is totally. that is a very uh, inter- it, it can be the other way around. It, it it can be a company. I'm working with a sports um, with a sports company where the marketing department and the PR department. Now the mark actually the marketing sponsoring are doing big stuff, the biggest, right? And everybody else, the rest of the company is a very small operation, uh, really small, and is held is held small. So you have the feeling that only the marketing department is is talking there, and no one else. I'm sometimes wondering how they how they make products, right? So to me, <laughs> to me, it's it's very it's a very interesting uh, journey to get. Especially the the the, the, the departments, the, the culture, the cultural clusters, they are not heard within a company. Then they cannot be part of the innovation. But that is necessary. They have to contribute to the innovation of the company, and they have to contribute uh, to the purpose of the company, because that never comes only from one department. And so that's why I'm I'm, I'm working with these diversity diversity and inclusion um, things quite quite some time. And let me let me quote the Netflix uh, the Netflix thing um, Reed Hastings said: "Diversity is the invitation to the party. Inclusion is when everybody dances." 
right? And the that everybody dances. That is so important. That. that is it's a wonderful quote from him, right? Because it it tells us a lot about where we are at the moment. At the moment, we are sending out invitations. We do our best. But we do not make sure once everyone is in the room that the music is, is uh, perfect for everybody and everybody can work or move comfortably. And that, I think, is much more important to get, especially in the business environment, when you really want people you know, to, to do something. You want them to achieve something. They... They have to do a project. They have to execute something, and they wanna, they wanna, they wanna win. Actually, so we have to make sure that they can work comfortably and not just be part of the team, right? And that's a different thing. And that would be true inclusion. And I've, I've seen examples and and know people too who've been brought in to be a kind of diversity strategist. But then once they've presented their findings or their kind of proposed cultural changes, the leadership backs off of it or isn't supportive because, you know, change management, there's a reason change management is its own industry and its, its own <laughs> field because it's hard. People are resistant to change. And I think it kind of gets back to the self-awareness piece we talked about because yes i I just wanted to say that right exactly it it needs it goes back there yeah yeah totally right Mm -hmm. because people what we bring to work is not separated from our egos and our failures and our fears all of these things are brought together and they come with us to work too so i i feel like just because a lot of people this is a theory like professionals just because they are professional and they work very hard they take their job seriously it doesn't kind of bestow an automatic uh innocence or automatic free pass of like you're you're doing everything you can just because you're organized and and on time you know there's like our our baggage comes with us to work and i think the things you talked about of how the power power dynamics play out the fact that there are power imbalances in every organization you've worked with kind of alludes to that like if we were all perfect people at work then <laughs> you wouldn't be in a job per- perhaps right yeah 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 well what you call what you call baggage i always call toolkit and very often we are not aware of our own toolkit right you, you you bring your toolkit you just very often don't use it right it's it's there and you don't do anything with it and uh indeed when you start working with people and say hey wow this is this is something very valuable to to your life to what you do so what wh- use it more often de it or or de-dust it and 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 exercise on it uh, because we are that is one of my my findings we are capable of so much more we are really mm. wonderful human beings we we are and very often it is something different uh that we are capable of than what we expect and that's part of the, the, you know, the communication journey when people uh, work with me, that they all of a sudden discover things. I was like, really? Oh, I, I didn't know I can do that. Uh, or I'm much better in this. But very often it's something different. It's not what uh, they expected from themselves. And to me personally, this is something I like most about that job, that there is, 
so many surprises that the clients have about themselves. And when they can ex expand their portfolio or extend their toolkit, I'm, I'm the most happy person on the planet because this is, this is my mission. It's beautiful. So my show, the Burn and Vote podcast, also is about helping men be more expressive and talk about real things. So I'm curious to hear about how that gender dynamic plays out with your clients. You know, the, the trope or the generalization is that men are less expressive, for example. Do you see that to be true or is it really person dependent based on your, your clients? And it's, you know, you're touch basing on such an important point here um, because it's very true and it's very untrue. Mm -hmm. It's, if you look, if, 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 if you look at, at, in, into an ordinary meeting room in, in the car manufacturing industry, you will, you will find that to be true statistically, right? 90% men, 10% women, if you're lucky. 95% men talking, 5% women talking. But... The real, the, the real aspect we should talk about is not m m men and women per se, but it's masculine and feminine communication patterns. Yes, what you say is right statistically, stat but again, statistically, m men seem to use masculine communication patterns more often. Uh, a direct communication. Um, do this. Exclamation marks. That is a masculine communication pattern. And again, statistically, it's at the moment, it is bound more to men than to women. Now, in what I would see as the way to go is that we teach everybody, men, women, everybody in between, whatever you want to be read for, whatever you want to be, if we teach everybody as well masculine communication pattern as feminine communication patterns, because they per se have nothing to do with men or women, right? Per se, asking a question which is, a feminine communication pattern has has is not bound to men or women, right? It statistically seems to be that uh, women ask more questions or using a communication form of asking a question more frequently, but it's not bound to women. So, and if we teach everybody to use feminine and masculine communications pattern patterns. At the right moment, in the right situation, now then everything is going to be fine, right? Because imagine this the following situation. You are sitting with your team and you're developing a project and everything is working fine and, and, and you are starting with a brainstorming and you collect all the ideas and you do all the feminine the feminine communication patterns you you collect everybody's opinion and everybody feels good and that goes on and on and on during the whole project 
Now you will see that your, your team, your project team is getting impatient because there will must be at a certain moment, there must be a decision. This is the way we go. Exclamation mark. And if you're lacking, if you're lacking that particular strength, if you're lacking that particular thing in your toolkit, you will never succeed. The other way around, imagine you would go into that um, project and in your first session, which is supposed to be a brainstorming session, you are going into that session as, okay, everybody, ideas on the table now. Probably <laughs> no, no one, no one will do anything, right? Because that is a very masculine communication pattern that does not match the situation, brainstorming, that requires a feminine pattern. And if you look at our, our normal business days in the office, virtually, it doesn't matter. There is more the situation that require a certain pattern than being a man or a woman. Again, statistically, um, masculine communication patterns are at the moment more attached to men, but that's not the point. And if you get, if you get rid of that point, if he, if everybody is able to work in a certain, in the, in the matching communication pattern in the respective situation, then I think we are going to have a whole different ball game in communication. I agree. And it's a skill to be learned too, right? To again, self awareness of what's going on in the moment. So, where are we in the project? What's the objective right now? Would it be helpful for me to ask questions, or would it be helpful for me to propose a solution? Exactly, ex exactly. So, so my, my proposal is let's rethink that, and then let's redo it, and then I think we will get out of the gender discussion more easily or we will bring it to a different level, right? Uh, although at the moment right now, it's, it's, we have a very sometimes funny, sometimes not so funny um, discussion going on when women try to find their place at the boardroom table and do not get a chance. And then very often... Communication is the last problem they have, like really the last problem. I had a client last week, only woman in a boardroom in her company. Three people in her team and basically zero budget. So yes, she has a seat at the table and she has no power at all. No and power. right so and 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 that it, it it's nice it's nice that she has that that place but it's not it's not going to it's not going to work it's very hard it's very hard for um and and it needs all support for for everybody right it, it and yes yes uh the cake does not get particular bigger so there needs to be alternatives for a lot of people were sitting at the boardrooms now. And that is a complicated thing. Yeah. Very complicated. Because there's also... Depends on the size of the company, but or maybe not, but 
you know, longstanding board members, for example, could be inclined to be territorial or unwilling to share the power. Particularly, nicely, nicely put in there. Very nicely put. Thank you. <laughs> Mostly, and they particularly are. <laughs> if if they've never worked with a woman in power, as well, right? If they've never interacted with a woman on this level, it could be confusing. It could be intimidating. It could be threatening, and so. Don't be mistaken here, by the way, uh, the same problem you you find if you turn around the industries. Imagine uh, imagine that, that young father who wants to be in the board of, uh, let's say, a, a large kindergarten, for instance, where 95% of the board of members are female. So it's the same problem there. We... Women do not want to share power as well. Actually, right? They don't. Power corrupts, right? <laughs> it is a, yeah, exactly, exactly. So <laughs> I think that we should find a, a, a different way of of giving giving away power to to people. For instance, uh, give 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 power only for a certain time. It could be something, right? To say, okay, it's eight years, ten years. Uh, I, it's, it's, there is there is so many we are, we are we are smart as human beings we are smart creatures we should we should find a solution to that that makes it easier for everybody to bring their ta- <clears throat> their talents to the table. Many people will say like, look, my talent is not in the boardroom. No, okay, but right now we make it look like oh, the boardroom is the your final goal. It should be your final destination. Mm, no. No. I'm, I repair washing machines, and I'm totally fine with that. Right? So it's, it's in us to, to change that whole paradigm of how we, how we see next generations um, doing their businesses. Yes, and I think the whole boardroom image is also tied with this super strict business world. Um, and I think perhaps the greatest example of that being turned upside down is in Silicon Valley in the tech industry where these companies that are some of the most profitable highest valuation companies in history people are wearing flip-flops and shorts and you know their building doesn't burn down. So it's personal style as well, right? So like say for example, I work at a, a tech company but I, I like to wear button-down shirts and, you know, shoes. Because I like, for me, you know, putting on a, a shirt, it's a symbolic thing. It gets me focused. It gets me um, in the right mindset. But if someone else doesn't want to do that and they work best relaxed, cheers. Yeah. Do your thing. Yeah. You know, sure. I'll, I'll be by your side working. Yeah. And that's a cool thing, too, about the, I would say... You know, looking back in history, right, like the the um, printing press and like disseminating information and the industrial revolution and, and these big changes. But now there's this possibility for future generations where there's so much information and potential that can be accessed online. And we're going to see more and more smart kids make companies that are kind of in their own vision and mold rather than just this traditional strict boardroom, white starched 
collared shirts and scotch on Fridays, you know, like it doesn't, it doesn't have to be that. And it, it, it's more than KPIs too, right? When we are, to, when we are turning towards a purpose, a purpose driven, uh, and a purpose driven work where we say like, look, there needs to be more than, uh, a revenue at the end of the month, uh, if we, the moment we start including uh, in our um, corporate communications, right? May it be the uh, the yearly reports, uh, what goes out to the stock exchange, all all that. The moment we start to include holistically everything that's going on with the company, the well-being of the people, um, the sustainability index, so that we really say how sustainable is that company uh, towards. Uh, towards the, the, the environment, uh, how sustainable is the company towards its employees. Uh, if we would, and, and I think this is something we should aim for, if we would in- include that into our yearly reports, now then we would get honest numbers and the paradigms would probably, uh, would probably um, totally change from KPIs and end of the quarter and to restock or whatever towards a way more long-term and sustainable uh, development. Yeah. Yeah. The sustainability one is interesting because I think, I think like uh, people benefiting uh, culture can be a little more easily defined. So like how many, let's say, um, people are being hired or developed from an entry level to a senior manager position you know where are their backgrounds were their parents you know university educated and professionals or not like there's some ways to kind of define um kind of upward social mobility but i think the ideas around sustainability is also very complicated because there's so much conflicting information you know some people think that climate change is you know humans are contributing to it but it's also part of longer cycles some people are quite fatalistic and it's like how do we how do we apply the concepts of sustainability to a corporation and what are the metrics that matter you know that's a whole different question but yeah i feel like it's kind of hard to figure out yeah but that is something we should be busy with that is because i think the future of of, of corporations big or small uh, lies it lies in that that we totally turn around the the parameters of success, right? Because um, there is already enough stuff in the world. I I mean, like in, we we produce enough, right? Now we we need to distribute the wealth in a different way. Mm. Yes, yeah, certainly, and also within kind of developed cultures or societies you know say like the u.s and the eu but also between kind of developing nations and and um developing economies you know how to how to how to share the wealth like like i'm in the philippines right now and one of the most major involvements of foreign companies are for call centers because the philippines has quite a strong english skill set yeah and I feel like that's good, but is that enough? Like answering, you know, uh, essentially outsourcing for cheap labor, relative cheap labor to answer phones. I guess it's a good start, but that's probably not 
the end point we want to be at of, of, of just having that type of collaboration between you know, the economy. Because then you would just build, you know, do just build two two mono monocultural clusters as well, right? And the more the more multicultural the clusters are we built, the more the more open they are at the at the at the borders, the, the the more translucent, the more transparent, the more exchange there is possible. That would that would help us, and and indeed. So to 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 your to your point, no, that I think is is, is just the beginning, right, and not the end. Uh, what they do with the call centers. Mm-hmm. Awesome, cool, Katya. Vielen Dank für deine deine Zeit. Und, uh, <laughs> wo kann so die Leute finden deine deine Werk in ins Internet? It's very, it's very simple to find me because there is not many, uh, many people with my name. Uh, so it's www.katjaschleicher.com. Or, of course, the easiest probably is to find me on LinkedIn, the business network, because there, besides, besides my portfolio, there is an easy, an, an easy opportunity to, to, to chat with me. And I'm, uh, since a couple of weeks, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fancy TikToker. Uh, I I think TikTok is more my is more my platform than um, Instagram is because Instagram is you know is just photo photo it's static and uh, TikTok I like more because of this um, the the short little video clips this is more my 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 communication style and uh, so yeah you can find me on TikTok too. Wonderful. We also end with a a conversation game. Um, my deck of cards has eluded me, but I, f- I can just uh, create a question for you, and maybe you can ask me one back. Okay. Okay. So I will ask you if you could live anywhere in the world besides where you live right now, where would it be and why? Um, there is so many parts in the world. Um, there is... I would I would love to live uh, at the at you know the southern part uh, of the Alps, so the northern part of Italy. Ooh, yeah. That would be great. Um, <laughs> that would be great. I definitely <laughs> would would like to live somewhere uh, on a lake. L- lake is cool. Is cool for me. And then there is a couple. Um, I, I definitely, I, I, I don't think I'm, I'm going to do, but I would love to do uh, a year in Hong Kong. Not now and now anymore. Um, I definitely would love to do Singapore for a couple of months, and then you know I'd love to do something, something like totally unexpected, crazy, like Mongolia or Ulaanbaatar. Something like this. Sweet. To freshen up my mind. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. That's certainly... Traveling does that. Wonderful. Cool. Well, it was a wonderful conversation. Thank you very much for your time. I found it very interesting and uh, certainly look forward to, to sharing this with my audience. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to that one and thank you to Katya for her time and sharing a bit about her story and her work and how she helps individuals and teams. The biggest thing that actually sticks out to me is 
not as much around the work she does, although it does sound very interesting. Actually, the story that Katya told about navigating her own way through kind of corporate life and how she realized that she doesn't necessarily want to be a team player. She's an individual contributor, and if she is going to be on a team, she wants you know it to look a very specific way. And I really respect that because knowing yourself and knowing what makes you tick, what makes one tick as an individual, how they want to work, what their you know best gifts are, and how they can do their best work in alignment with what they want to do with their lives, I think is awesome. So I think if we can look at it from a systems or kind of a holistic perspective, the great work Katya is doing now is kind of the, the foundation of it came from her identifying that as a young person, not trying to fit herself into the mold just because it's what everyone was expecting or, or kind of the, the roadmap that was in front of her. So I thought that was very interesting and a really valuable insight. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please send this episode to a friend who will enjoy it. And we'll see you next Friday on the Bro Nouveau podcast.